edition of the TMG podcast. This is Chris Dufresne of TMG, joined by the regulars, um, Tony Barnhart from uh, Atlanta area, and we got Herbie Gould in Chicago, Mark Blauchin in Situate, which is not Cape Cod, but it's close to Cape Cod, right, Blau? Is it close to Cape Cod? 20 miles, yep. 20 miles? That's, you know, in L.A., that's, near, that, you know, that's next town over. Um, okay, we have an exciting week. Uh, first, we want to, as always, thank our sponsor, APBA, APA, the Unchallenged King of Quality Sports Strategy Games, APBAGames.com, and as usual, we'll bring in Jersey Guy, uh, who's working the APA games. Now, APA has the baseball, is, they're known for baseball going back to 51. They do have college football, and they have all sorts of other sports. Check out the website. But we know a Jersey guy has been working the uh, divisional games uh, with APA, and uh, I don't know what that noise was. But uh, um, and and Blau, you uh, you are you simulated Game One of the World Series, and I think you got the right winner. You didn't get all the details right, but tell us I how got, that. I got three, no, I had three nothing. I had a pitcher's duel, which didn't happen last night, but I had the Red Sox winning by three, so uh, pretty close and. And I played game two this morning, and it was six to three Red Sox. Uh, what a shock! Uh, and I walk off home run by by Mr. Moreland in the bottom of the ninth inning. So broke a three three tie. So let's see what happens. You know, not good news for the LA fans if that holds up, but we'll see. Well, uh, I was excited that both you know starting pitchers. You said you say last night's game wasn't a pitcher's duel, but compared to the. Uh, the uh, Brewer series, this was, you know, these were two war horses getting into the fifth inning, you know, and I was, you know, Kershaw and uh, and Chris Sale, uh, this still amazes me. You know, in the old days, we remember, we're old fogies, but I, I remember the, like the 68 series, you had Denny McClain and Mickey Lolich and Bob Gibson, these Koufax, these guys, you couldn't drag them out of the games. Now... Yet you had Chris Sale last night through 91 pitches in four plus innings. Uh, I, I still don't know what's going on. And uh, and Mark, you may comment on this. I thought Dave Roberts again over managing. Over managed, yeah. He had mm-hmm. he had Baez in the game who was just blowing people away, and he makes a pitching change, uh, and then and then the Boston hits a home run and, and game over. Uh, I don't know what's going on. It's not, I, I, what's I don't know what's happening. With this sport, but uh, uh, you know, at least we got real starting pitchers in this series, and you know, maybe if they get into sixth inning, it's a miracle. But well, it's funny you should ask that because I did some research, and uh, back to the good old days when when we were all younger, from like 1950 until 19 like 79, uh, uh, 69, I think, game one of the World Series. Once out of 21 World Series, did neither pitcher go past five innings. And it was, I think, I think it was 1964. Uh, uh, I think it was a Baltimore, a Baltimore uh, Dodger World Series, where both pitchers didn't make it to the to the fifth inning. So this is the first. So that 65. Was, uh, the old days. 65. No, 60. Well, all that 60, no, 65 was the was the Dodgers and the Twins, I think. Oh, that's right. Okay. This was the Orioles, I think. Uh, so I'm not even 60, <coughs> 65 is when dry uh, when Koufax didn't pitch. Uh, uh, was Yom, it Yom Koufax? Yom, Yom Kippur and uh, and so Drysdale had to go out and Drysdale got shelled 
And when, when Walter Alston came to the mound, he handed Wal Alston the ball and said, I, I bet you wish I was Jewish too. That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> but they, but Colfax came back on uh, two days rest. Two days rest. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and we're talking like a bunch of old guys. But, uh, you know, this is, a, yeah, I'm sure the network could be, is thrilled not, not to have the Brewers and the Astros. Uh, this is a, and, and we talked about this off the air a little bit. Uh, you know, the Dodgers and the, and the Red Sox, as storied as uh, franchises as these are, have only m met once in 1916. Do you guys know what the name of uh, they weren't the Dodgers then? You know that you know what their names were, Mister Mister nineteen oh eight Cubs. Did, did uh, you know? they were the uh, Superbas for a while. <laughs> well, they were the Brooklyn Pirates or something like that. They were they, they they were the bridegrooms early on, like in the eighteen nineties. But bridegrooms and then Superbas. But in uh, in in nineteen sixteen, they were the Robins. Robinson. Oh yeah, for Wilbur Robinson. That's correct. The manager. That's correct. Um, and uh, so yeah, they met once, and that was the series. Um, yeah, Babe Ruth pitched a fourteen inning complete game, I think, for the Red Sox. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, back in the day, and I think uh, I think that game was like an hour and forty minutes. So anyway, uh, it is uh, for two of two two of the. Uh, TMG people, we have dogs in the hunt. Although I'm not really a Dodger fan, uh, but Atlanta and uh, and Chicago, they were, you know, the you know got left out this year. Uh, but uh, you know, all four all four of our our pod cities had good years, right? I mean, this it's a good good year for the TMG people, city. So game two tonight, uh, blah. What's the weather going to be? Is it, it, it we're going to get uh, snow or this is ridiculous? No, that's snow, but but. Temperature in the high 30s, uh, overcast skies, not in the beach weather. Uh, the other big news, of, of course, other than Brad Osmus being named manager of the Angels, I'm sure you know, that was a you know, five-alarm uh, news announcement. But the lottery winner, like everything else, the SEC just keeps winning. Uh, the lottery winner was announced uh, $1.5 billion or whatever. A ticket was bought <laughs> in South Carolina in the Gamecocks. Uh, so, you know, once again, the, the, the South, you know, the South wins again. Um, and, uh, so congratulations to the, the billion dollars of taxes that person will have to pay up, apparently. Let's get into the, uh, uh, the meat and potatoes of what we do, uh, college football. Uh, big weekend last weekend, we had a sort of a game changer. Um, Herbie, we're going to bring you in, Ohio State. Uh, for the second year in a row, goes on the road, lays a giant egg, and questions coming out of that game, and you brought some of them up, about the future of, of, of Urban Meyer. First of all, uh, you know, ha having for the second straight year, having his team go on the road and, and lay down, um, and, and you brought up the point of you're wondering what the long-term prognosis is of, of Urban in, in Columbus. So far away. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I am because there's just, there's so many little details here. There may be nothing to it, but, you know, when you start adding up, you know, the, the struggles on the field, I mean, two years in a row to just get drilled like that, you know, I think people have pointed out, I mean, Nick Saban has never had anything even close to that. Um, 
we got a lot of noise going on today. Who here. is that? Um, Tony? Even I can hear it. I'm going to blame Tony. Uh, no, I'm going to blame Blau or Tony. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, guys. That's my fault. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, at any rate. Tearing up your lottery I, ticket. You know, there's just, there's just a lot of little signs. Now, it could be nothing. I mean, if Ohio State runs the table, then we're going to forget about all that. We will. But if they continue to, you know, I mean, they got a game that looks mighty tough now. Uh, when they play Michigan, I mean, that looks like that's a real heavyweight, you know, knockdown battle. And, you know, those people in Ohio State do not like to lose to Michigan. So that'll be a key, key element in this. Uh, and then I just wonder, you know, there were those rumors a while back about um, the assistant coach being the, uh, tell me the name again, uh, Ryan Day? That's, Ryan Day. That's Blau Jersey yeah, guy's the, boy. Yeah. You know, there were r- reports that he had been, you know, quietly made the coach in waiting, which made no sense. Uh, you know, you, the suspension thing, you know, they, they skated through that. I, it, it just There's just a lot of things that make me wonder if there will be, you know, some substance and, and to making a change. And it's just conjecture at this point, but none of these guys are, uh, you know, any better than their record. And, and right now, or, Urban Meyer has really got a lot of people questioning his coaching. Uh, Tony, we saw this, and the part, and the other part of the Urban Meyer story, <laughs> health concerns. Um, at, at we saw, we'll bring we'll bring you in on this because you watched what happened at Florida. Right. When he had all sorts right. of health issues that ultimately was hit was his out card. Um, real, you know, I'm sure he does have health concerns, but. Uh, do you see kind of a similar pattern going on? Uh, well, I, I, I see a pattern of, uh, you know, he, he said his team got exposed. Yeah, his team did get exposed. They got exposed as a team that's not very well coached. Uh, Whoa. Whoa. Uh, that, that's, just, that's just a fact. I mean, it has been – people don't write about it as much, but Ohio State looks like a, a soft team that's really distracted. Uh, and I'm wondering if, if both sides won't want to change at the end of the year. And Urban's got to figure out what he's going to do uh, yeah. next. The situation at Florida, yeah, he, he after winning the first national championship in 08, uh, well, this his second national 06, championship yeah. in 08, uh, he, he just basically threw up a wall around the program and was, really, was difficult to deal with. I will never forget the SEC championship game in uh, 09 when they played Alabama. And they were both one and two. I saw him on the Friday before the game, and he looked just – he was so thin, he looked sick. Yeah. And I, I was working for CBS at the time, and Tim Brando and I were talking to him, and we both walked away and said, man, he, he looks bad. And so I think he, he does he, – the pressures of the job, it doesn't seem to handle very well. And I, I'm, I'm with her. There's a lot of smoke, but I, I am not the first person to say that Urban Meyer will not be the coach of Ohio State next year. And I don't, I don't think he will be. I also wonder how, how he's getting along with his AD with, with Gene Smith. Because, not, I mean, not that, well. When that was going on in the August there, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, pointing of fingers. And, and uh, oh, yeah. it could be said that, that Urban threw his AD under the bus on a few things. Uh, Instances and and then then he Gene Smith got suspended for you know got a two game suspension as well so I wonder how they get along. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's yeah. A, you know, it always to me it always goes to winning. You know, winning conquers all, and yep. we'll see how that goes. You know, I mean that Michigan game. I mean, if people were picking that Michigan game right now, 
I don't know that, you know, people would be picking Ohio State. I mean, it, it's certainly a, a toss-up kind of a game at this point. But, you know, it reminds me of is when Bob Knight got got uh, fired at Indiana, you know, he was a legend there, and he stopped winning, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, the <laughs> sideshow stuff was a lot less tolerable. Yeah. And I just wonder, you know, if we're looking at a situation like that, plus what Tony said, Urban Meyer, you know, there there is a, a legitimate health question with this guy. He takes this stuff pretty hard, and uh, you know, there's just a lot a lot of things to keep an eye on. Yeah, for a guy that's uh, 51 and four, I mean, you would think that would be relatively stress free in in the world we live in, but that's not anymore. Uh, that's the amazing part. Um, so, some amazing. The, the amazing stat, and, and when, when Urban said he was exposed, what he meant was Ohio State is is so one-dimensional this year. They have a great quarterback. They have no running game and no running quarterback. But this guy, I looked it up. He threw for he had more attempts, more completions, and more passing yards against uh, Purdue last weekend than Cornelius Green had in the entire. Uh, 1973 season for Ohio State under Woody Hayes. <laughs> yeah, those, those are all school records, you know, in the, the passing department. I mean, the other part of it is that they cannot, you know, they really can't run the ball, and they give up a, a ridiculous number of big plays. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but, I mean, they've just given up a lot of plays of 30 yards or more, and that that's just not acceptable when you have the kind of talent that Ohio State has and and – Supposedly, the coaching staff, although there's a lot of questions about assistance, I mean, at the very least, I would think that, that those assistants should not be uh, putting down down payments on houses. Well, and guys, I'll, I'll tell you one, one other thing. Go ahead. Is, you know, if, if Ohio State wins out, you know, and were to beat Michigan and were to win the Big Ten championship, I'm telling you, the coaches who sit in that room on the selection committee – are going to look at, they threw it 73 times. Are you kidding me? Yep. They can't, they can't run the football. They give up big plays on defense. <coughs> yeah, Ohio, State, Ohio State went into the game having given up 35 plays, explosive plays of 20 yards or more, worst in the country. And Purdue took advantage of that. I'm just telling you, if, if it comes down to a 12-1 and Ohio State and a 12-1 Oklahoma that's blowing people away, uh, I don't. Oh yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I think Tony, you're totally right. I mean, we it's just like what we saw last year, where you know that blowout loss to Iowa really knocked Ohio State down in, in perception. And I this is this is right on that same footing, if not worse. I mean, they're going to lose any tiebreakers. You know, if if you're talking about twelve and one teams. Yeah, they need. Uh, I think they need a second loss for out of the the, uh, the Big Twelve for sure, and Notre Dame to lose, right? I mean, uh, th- then I think they control their. You know, then I think they get in it with one loss, but uh, they're, they're in familiar shaky ground. Uh, if it gets into a, if people well, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Tony. I was just saying, well, I I just don't see that happening. The way that you know if Michigan can quit vandalizing people's property long enough to focus on the game, <laughs> they're a pretty good football team. So, uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> there's an accusation there. 
What about the what, a, what an accusation the, the Michigan player vandalized their football field, you know, which was bo- both sides. That's another topic. Well, uh, let's both, look. Bo- both coaches were silly. Exactly. Game, by the way, but they should be sent. They should be sent into uh, at, you know detention. They should they should be in the chalkboard after school. Uh, but that was an un, uh, you know, that was a provoked kind of incident. You know, it's one of those deals where that could have been prevented by both sides and wasn't. Uh, Herb, do you have any more now information on that? Now we Harbaugh accuses uh, they do. Michigan State does this this arm in arm thing down the field, right? And that's what right. So and and yeah, they do the arm in arm thing, and I. I gotta believe that Michigan was aware that Michigan State does that, and you know, you know, you're just setting it up. And and I I could see where it wasn't an oversight. You know, they they just got that. You know, it reminds me of once I, I saw the Blackhawks and the North Stars drop the gloves in the warm up. No referees, no referees are on. So it was, that's it was like right out of right out of slap shot. You know, I yeah. mean that's. That's kind of what we saw there. I think the one big takeaway is that Michigan, Michigan State has always kind of had a a, a lot of venom for Michigan, yeah. but I think Michigan is starting to return the favor now. I think you know losing uh, two of the previous ten games was starting to get under their skin. I mean, there's there are equal amounts of hate on both sides now, and I think we saw that boil over on Saturday. Yeah. Uh... Again, this is uh, this is kind of very uh, immature behavior. Uh, I don't know if Commissioner Delaney needs to get involved, but uh, you know it was pretty silly. Uh, but th- what came out of this uh, game is the fact that Michigan is in a you know does control its own destiny, and Michigan is the team to beat in the in the Big Ten right now. Or, yeah, they, they absolutely are. You know, uh, I think we saw this coming. Uh, you know, and that Notre Dame game, I mean, if you think about it, you know, losing to Notre Dame in the first week of the season, you know, by a touchdown on the road really isn't a, a deal breaker. You know, they, they wow. clearly are the, the, the Big Ten's best bet to make the playoff. And, and Shea Patterson has, you know, just gotten better and better, which should be expected. You know, a graduate transfer quarterback, you know, that's a heck of a way to start your career at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, they're playing real well. I mean, the, 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 the defense is outstanding at Michigan, and now Patterson has given them some options on offense. And uh, I think they caught Wisconsin at the right time in a way. But again, Wisconsin isn't as good as advertised for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, yeah, Michigan, they're the real deal. I mean, they, they not only can get into the playoff, but they can be a handful for people in the playoff. Right. And uh, I like to look at teams right now that you wouldn't, you would have loved to play a month ago, but you don't want to play now. Uh, and, that, and, and, and the teams that have an impact on everybody else, Purdue's one of those teams. I mean, Purdue started 0 3. Uh, he lost to what Eastern Michigan on their home on their home field, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Wait, who was it? It was one of those. Direct. Yeah, they had. Uh, no, one of the Michigans. It was a direct. It was a directional, I think. All right, I'm gonna. But yeah, I mean, they they also. I I think that you know Jeff Brom made a good point about that that they were playing a little too cautious in those first three games. Also, he had Sindelar starting. 
at least the first two games. I mean, he alternated. Sindelar was was not as good at taking care of the ball as Blau. Um, I do. He, yeah, I mean, Blau, you did a good job of taking care of that ball. And, you know, then, then they opened it up. I mean, there's a lot of uh, – it was Eastern Michigan, 20 to 19. And then, you know, they went to Missouri. That's and what I said. Didn't I say? 40, I said Eastern Michigan. 37, but, but it was a – or no, maybe that was a home game. I'm sorry. But they, they showed signs there, and then, um, then you know, they got it going against Boston College, and, and they've been a handful ever since. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to play Purdue right now. I wouldn't want in, – in, in my league out here, Utah's, Utah may end up winning the Pac-12 after they lost to the Washingtons, but they – they they thank God this game wasn't on t- TV because it was on the Pac-12 network, but they brutalized USC uh, last weekend. And uh, here's a you know here's a, a stat for you. A month ago, if you said Utah and UCLA would be playing for first place in the Pac-12 South, you would <laughs> you you would laugh. But that's actually happening this Friday night. Uh, but uh-huh. um, Tony, let's move on to your conference. You wrote a story, kind of. Uh, looking at the the races and teams that control their own destiny, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna throw one at you, and, and I think you didn't you didn't say this, but I'm gonna I'm going to say it, and tell me if I'm wrong. I say, well, maybe the, I say Texas A and M. If if they for, they're not going to do it, but if they won out, would they be in the college football playoff? They would be part of the discussion. The problem would be, I think it's going to be hard to get an at-large team uh, with two losses. It, it, you know, now, that's, now you can make the case because their two losses are to number one and number two. So you can definitely make the argument. I just think at the end of the day, if they're going to put a non-conference champion at-large into the, into the mix, it's going to be a team with one win. But yeah, I, I, I had both. I had Texas a and I got I got them up around eleven or twelve in, in my ballot, simply because of who they've lost to. Now we'll we'll find out that they're going to Mississippi State this Saturday. Mississippi State's got all kinds of issues. It'll be interesting to see yeah. how they finish out. Uh, the the East is is the is the race in the SEC. And obviously, a big game this week will put a second loss on one one of those teams, uh, Florida. Or Georgia, and then you got Kentucky uh, also looming. Tell us about how this shapes up. Well, Georgia, Florida, or Florida, Georgia, I have to be very sensitive because uh, <laughs> uh, the Florida people will absolutely jump on. Uh, well, what, well, what is it? Which one is th- it? This is this is an elimination game. Okay, this is a you know Georgia's number seven, Florida's number nine. The loser, somebody said it funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday, said the winner moves on and the loser plays basketball. So that, that's where that's where this game is. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. Georgia's favored by about a touchdown. Not going to surprise me if the Gators win because they, I think the Gators are playing with more confidence right now than Georgia is. Uh, Georgia, Georgia did not come out of the LSU game in a great frame of mind. Now they've had a week off. We'll see if they can right the ship, but uh, I'm probably going to pick Georgia by about a field goal when all is said and done, but uh, would would not surprise me if the Gators won this one. Yeah, and Kentucky, uh, Kentucky's still sitting there, but they've got they got they, they, the schedule plays in their favor, but um, maybe the you know the competition doesn't. I don't well, know. Well, 
at Missouri. What they right? got what they got what Kentucky's got going for them is they beat Florida. Yeah. On September eighth, so they've got the tiebreaker over Florida. Uh, they're in a they're in a very dangerous game at Missouri. Yeah. On Saturday, because they have Kentucky has not been Kentucky. Kentucky beat Vanderbilt fourteen to seven and threw nine passes and only completed three for eighteen yards and won the game fourteen to seven. Wow! Right? So they we, with Drew Locke, who's averaging thirty eight points a game, they're going to have to figure something out, or they're going to lose this game. But if they win it and they beat Georgia next week, then they would pretty much clinch. Yeah. Well, they would clinch. The They'd have the tiebreaker over Georgia and Florida. They would clinch the SEC East. Yeah, uh, pretty exciting. A Jer- Jersey guy, Blau. Not that Blau will bring you in. Not the Purdue quarterback. He has better uh, run after <laughs> contact than you do. Right. Uh, but I want to bring you in on this issue with with Central Florida, since you've been on you've been Central Florida cheerleader for about ten or fifteen years, trying to I get them know. trying to get them into into a better conference, into a better position. Um, but their AD this week, Danny White, sent a message to ESPN Game Day basically saying how unfair the system is. And he had a hilarious quote, uh, I thought, or a, a wording, where he, he says, college football has become a subjective popularity contest. Which no! Made- <laughs> oh, I would try, huh? Which which makes me wonder where, <laughs> which makes me wonder where he was. Uh, he must have been born after 1997, uh, because I I remember uh, subjective popularity contests way better than this. Yeah, I was gonna say you you think it's subjective now. Yeah. What about a, go, for, go go back to 1966 or okay. mm-hmm. or 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 1997, the last year pre BCS when. When Tom Osborne uh, subjectively in a popularity contest, I think was awarded a national title. Uh, so yeah, uh, Blau, what what's this guy? Uh, does he have a beef? Does Danny White have a beef? You know he, what he's got to do is he's got to take some lessons from his father, Kevin White. I mean, you know he's he's got to shut his mouth. I mean, what what Central Florida finish its season, take care of what it has to do. Finish undefeated, you know, and then if you want to make a case, you know, the last Thanksgiving week and, and you want to lobby the committee and fine. But take care of business, you know, beat the teams you have to beat. Beat them. They, they have to do what Clemson's done the last two weeks. I was talking, I was talking about that yesterday. The last two weeks, someone's got the message to Clemson, even though they, they publicly said they, they don't pay attention to that. The last two weeks, they've won the, their games by a, a score of, I think, 110 to, to 107 to 10, I think, the last two weeks, yeah. weekends over North Carolina State and, and Wake Forest. So they, they, they are well aware that they have to not only win, but, but impress people. And Central Forest has got to do the same thing, even more so. They have to go out and basically run the table and win games 45 to 7 every week and then hope other teams lose and wow. then see what happens. Well, one of, one of the problems is they're, they're, they're star quarterback didn't even play in the last game. Right. Nobody yeah. and nobody and still won by thirty. Nobody knew about it because they didn't announce why he wasn't playing. So all during the game there was speculation that it was a disciplinary problem or wasn't an right. injury. And so, you know, if you want to if you want people to understand your program, maybe you need to know, uh, you know, maybe be a little more transparent about what's going on. But of course that's not going to happen. Uh, Central Florida has 
a scheduling problem, uh, and it didn't. Yes. It doesn't. Yes. It doesn't help that Cincinnati, one of the teams that they needed to, to you know, uh, <clears throat> to stay ranked, uh, lost to Temple last weekend. Uh, and, and you'll appreciate this, too, because uh, Kirk Herbstreit has not been a Central Florida fan, and and, and uh, uh, he, he's heard from people in Central Florida too, um, including our buddy Mike Biakio, who really went after him uh, the other day in the in the paper. But last, last night I was watching. I was in between the, the watching the series. I was watching the college football thing, and her, and Herbstreit was suggesting. He says, "He says before we get get on Central Florida, he says what about Fresno State? He says Fresno State is better in in all, all stats than Central Florida is in strength of schedule and everything else." He says, "He says you want to you give them credit, but give the other teams credit as well, including Appalachian State and Fresno State." Yeah, App- Appalachian State. Which congratulations, they they got ranked this week. Uh, number twenty-five in the AP poll, but yeah, I think the Mountain, the Mountain West Conference champion, could emerge as you know maybe not undefeated, but they might be, they might be the best, a better champion than uh, than Central Florida's. So I don't I don't know. It's uh, uh, you know you got it comes down to you got to play people and it, it, you got you know, you you, you got to skip. Listen, you got to schedule people and you got to beat them. I mean, our, our Mike Mike Bianchi is a friend of mine down in Orlando, but he's saying, "What do you want to let you know? We, you know, Central Florida didn't know that uh, North Carolina and Pittsburgh were going to be bad this year. No, you have if you're a, a group of five, you've got to schedule the big boys and hope that the year you play them, they're good. There's no there's no other way around. Yeah, and I, I think. Well, the, yeah. There's one other way, though, and I talked to, talked to Mike Oreskin, the commissioner of the AAC, about this a couple of weeks ago. He's got to get Central Florida to play in one of those games, like to play in Alabama, to play it, yeah. to play a, you know, a, yeah, play somebody a early team in, in one of those August games. At least have that on your resume. Right. We, yeah, I, I still think that it, it's it, it's a rigged system, and and you know whether that's good or bad, I, I don't I don't want to get into that part of it, but. I just don't see a group of five team making the uh, the final four oh, yeah. because of the scheduling uh, in terms of the top teams, and also because you know week in and week out they're not having the challenges that you'll see in the Power Five conferences. And and I still think if, if you're Central Florida and you want to play for a national championship, you need to find a new league. You know, I mean that's just it's just it, well, it's just that's just the reality of it. What, just why, not, they're yeah. not going to ever be able to have the stars align to get into a Final Four. Why? They, they did their best trying to get in the Big 12. They, they lobbied hard to get there, and, that, and they were real close. But well, that, that, was, what, that was their move. Why did, yep. yeah, why, did, uh, why did Chris Peterson get out of Boise uh, and go there to Washington? Go. Because sure. he, he knew the shit. He knew that the, once the chairs stopped, the musical chairs stopped, and Boise, you know, they were all part, remember when they were all part of the, the that Big East uh, thing that fell apart, but you had yeah. San Diego State and Boise were going to be in the Big East, and but once once that didn't happen, you you had to you know you you coaches like Chris Peterson said, well I, I got to get out of here. Um, well, sure, and, and look at you know remember there was a time I remember as an AP voter getting all kinds of hate mail from Utah because I, I wasn't <laughs> uh, putting that team up there. Uh, and, and look what they did. Now, you know, they they moved up in conference. Exactly. Uh, you know, every situation is different, but but that's got to be your – if you want to play for a national championship, you got to be in one of the Power Five leagues. Well, and, and guess what? Utah moved to the Pac-12 in 2011. Uh, is, is the only team in the South 
division that hasn't won the division. So we talked about the week in and the week out, even in the Pac-12, which you know has had seen better years. It's still uh, tough. You know, Utah. You know, Utah's not going undefeated in the Pac in the Pac-12, uh, but but at least they made the move to get out, and, and I think uh, you know that's that's the reality of it. And uh, it, I think Herb, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think it is a rig system, but the system is the system, and you have to measure it against what they actually. Uh, have accomplished um, well, well and, and, yeah. and, and, and the other thing about the system guys it's it's all you know it's not necessarily about the fact that you're in a power five conference it's that when you're in one of those conferences you're going to play a tougher schedule than UCF okay that, that's just a fact the, the the 12 teams that out even though Alabama's playing a weak schedule this year the 12 teams that Alabama's playing because eight of them are from the SEC and you've seen the quality in the league. It's just a stronger schedule. You've got, right. and, well, and you're not going to just give one of these slots to to UCF just because they won a bunch of games in a row. Well, and, you know, uh, who have who other than Auburn? Who have they beat? And, and that's uh, and and oh, so they get to count that Auburn win for this year. We've talked about this, but the, you're but you're right, and that's why Notre Dame gets the benefit of the doubt because their schedule is great now. Are the teams on that schedule not as good this year? Yes. I mean, Florida State's down. USC's down. Uh, Michigan's obviously not down. But so, but their schedule is, is great. The schedule they put together every year is unassailable. And uh, and so, you know, they're going to get the benefit. Um, you know, and, and the, the, uh, the group of five people will complain, and they have a case that they can't get people to play them in one and one, you know, home and homes, and it's always two for ones and this and that. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where yeah. the system is. But, but you against sh- really, if you're a Power Five AD, why would Florida? These are these are two different animals: Group of Five and Power Five. And they can argue all they want, but but like Tony, strength of schedule, and well, I would also uh, argue that money is a bigger depending well, on which side that you're on. And keep, look, keep in mind, when Bobby Bowden was trying to build a program at Florida State and get people to notice him, what did he do? He went on the road and played anybody, anywhere. And that's how he built the program. Okay? Yeah. And that's what the group of five schools have to do. Yeah. Anytime, anywhere, and find a way to beat them. Yeah. And, you know, we said that this has happened. Boise was able to do it over a, like a 10-year period where they built up credibility over time. They beat good teams. They beat Oklahoma. They beat you know Virginia Tech, and they started win. And then they got credibility. And then uh, then their you know their schedule didn't work against them as much. And in 2010, they got as close as you can get, I think. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, let's move on to um, we we touched a little bit about Notre Dame, uh, which is playing Navy, uh, and Notre Dame is. Just kind of sitting there in, in really good position, Herb. Um, Navy is now look. Navy has shocked them before, but I, I don't see it happening this year. But uh, talk about about Notre Dame's position. Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, USC is is down a little. Um, Florida State certainly down. You know, and th- those are teams that when you schedule them, you you expect you're going to be seeing a lot more than. We've seen from those teams this year. Uh, Navy also is down. Navy is a tricky game, and and everybody's really saying, well, this is not Navy's year. And yet they do all that, you know, that crazy option stuff. Uh, You know, I mean, Notre Dame, I I don't think anybody would 
would uh, trade their. I think anybody would trade their schedule for Notre Dame's, all things considered. But that said, you got to go out and play because you're going to get everybody's best shot, you know. And, and that's a cliche, but it's so true. You think Florida State and, and USC and, and when uh, Notre Dame is going to go to uh, Northwestern and they're going to play Syracuse in in uh, Yankee Stadium? Is that right, Blau? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you know you're going to get everybody's best shot and. As good as they've looked at this point, we don't have a huge, you know, uh, resume on, on Ian Book. I mean, he's looked great for three or four games, uh, and and the the running back has looked good at times and not. I mean, you, you're going to get – Notre Dame sure looks like they're in a great place, and, and I wouldn't say anything beyond that except that college football, all kinds of things can happen. If they come out and catch a couple of bad breaks, and then, you know, we all see it, you get into a second half where the pressure's on and, uh, you know, things can happen. But that said, Notre Dame's in a great place. Yeah, uh, they are. Um, it's, uh, like I said, the schedule is a schedule. They, if they end up uh, winning a schedule that includes wins over Michigan, uh, Florida State, at Virginia Tech, uh, USC, yeah, that, that's it's going to be hard to you know it's going to be hard right. to keep them out. So it, yeah, and they you know they're doing some things well. I mean, we should also give them credit that that defense is really playing very solidly. Uh, they've done a good job of, of rebuilding that offensive line, and Ian Book is is just kind of he's really on. The, I think the the great thing that I like about Ian Book is he is really on the same page with Brian Kelly and the offensive staff. I mean, they, they're not going to get some of the athleticism from him that they might have gotten from Wimbush. But this guy is going to keep them out of mistakes to a great degree. And he's going to do, you know, he's going to be a little bit of a, as much as a, a young guy can be a coach on the field, he's going to be that kind of quarterback. And that's what you need, you know, just get, get some of those skill guys the ball and then uh, see what happens. Yeah, uh, they they look very solid. I think they look much more physical and, and bigger, stronger version than the 2012 team that that uh, got all the way to the final game and, and didn't match up against Alabama. They, Notre Dame looks like a you know bigger a bigger, stronger version of of, of what they were before. So yeah, their their defensive line is very yeah. very solid, and and that's not something that you can always say at Notre Dame. They they've got the kind of defensive line that. That the big power teams have. Yeah, let's start. We'll start to wrap up a little bit here. Blah, I want to bring you in on because uh, I think this is there's some sort of there's a little bit of irony here. Clemson's uh, is, is at Florida State this week, which should be a great game, but probably won't be. But you know, Clemson right now is is sort of what Florida State was in the ACC for all those dominant years. The league, yeah, it's particularly this year is not you know when when Bobby Bowden. Uh, you know, dominated that league for so many years. That's kind of what Clemson is now, right? Well, it's it's amazing because I mean, Willie Tiger continues to amaze me by by, by <laughs> making Florida State seem like a a, a second tier team that's trying to get up there. He's, his quote this week was, "If you want to beat a man, you got to beat the man," which means you got to beat Clemson. Well, <laughs> you're right. I mean, Clemson is the man right now in the ACC, and and, and probably we're all about a handful of teams nationally. And they they've proven it week after week, and and. Uh, and they're going to go down to Florida State. They're a 17 point favorite at Florida State, which at one time would have been unheard of. But after watching Florida State play, you know, and they're watching Clemson play, I don't think that's an unreasonable. It's like Alabama being 
a double-digit favorite over everybody. I mean, they, they're 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 at that peak right now. Yeah, it it uh, and it works to their advantage because they're a great team in a uh, weaker conference, and uh, that's going to make it easier for them to get where they they want to go. And that's just the that's just the way it is. Uh, looking ahead to other games this weekend, the big Tony, the big boys are resting in anticipation of next week. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the cocktail party, um, and, and what else, what else are we missing from the SEC? You mentioned the. Uh, A&M's at uh, Mississippi State, and that's pretty light fair, right, in, in Kentucky and Missouri? Yeah, Kentucky and Missouri is the, is the other game that we're going to keep keep an eye on because if Kentucky loses, that sort of shakes up the SEC East. Uh, Tennessee's at South Carolina, two teams that desperately need some help down the stretch to uh, get to a bowl game. But, yeah, every, every, every th- oh, by the way, the, if Georgia and Kentucky both win Saturday – then CBS is going to put that game at 3.30 as the lead-in to the uh, uh, Alabama-LSU game. Wow. They, 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 took a, they took a six-day window uh, and going to wait on to see who win if Kentucky yeah. and Georgia both win. Well, you better watch out if the Pac-12 put, network puts a game up against that. You know, they're going to really <laughs> carve into their... Oh, my. Yeah. You, you, you <clears throat> might want to... Hey, 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 dude, yeah. if Washington State wins out... Do they get any kind of sniff at all? Well, their their problem, and I think uh, their their problem is is they is their non conference schedule. Uh, same as Oregon's problem was, uh, Washington State really hasn't played anybody. Um, but uh, that being said, they will be able to avenge one of their. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, who. I'm trying to think of one of their losses. But yeah, they they. They have an outside shot. I think they need a second loss. They need Notre Dame to lose, uh, maybe to USC, and then uh, Big 12 champion to lose and some other. But I don't think they're going to win out. They're playing at Stanford uh, this week. They might not not get past the weekend. But uh, a a typical, interesting, fun Mike Leach team. Uh, I'll tell you what, that quarterback is really good, the transfer. from. uh, (laughs) That's, That's an amazing story. The Gardner, Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I, I was working. I was in the studio for the SEC Network when the word came. The uh, Minshew yeah. was coming to Alabama as Nick Saban's insurance policy in case Jalen Hurts transferred. Yeah. He was coming. He already said he was coming, and then Jalen Hurts decided to stay, and Gardner Minshew goes, goes to Washington State. I'm going, man, this is crazy. I'll tell you what, he's really good, and he outplayed. A lot of people think Justin Herbert for Oregon is, you know, would be the number one pick in the draft if he came out. But that Minshew outplayed him at least for a half, and they shut Oregon out, which is a, not an easy thing to do. But typical of Leach teams, and kind of like the way it was at Texas Tech, uh, they, they they start off really hot, and then they'll lose two or three down the stretch, and then they'll go to the Alamo Bowl or the Holiday Bowl or something like that. That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, what are we missing? Oh, uh, before we get out of here, I want to just touch a little bit about this year's runaway. I think it's a runaway Heisman race uh, with uh, the Alabama quarterback. But with this, uh, with this uh, addendum here, is Tua could win this thing going away with, without a Heisman moment. I mean, there, he he hasn't thrown an interception this year, but he also hasn't played in the fourth quarter. Uh, how unique is this, Tony? Uh, what's going on with this with this quarterback? 
Well, Nick Saban has. Well, first of all, I have I haven't seen many quarterbacks with this combination of athleticism and arm talent. I mean, and it's not, and, and the thing about it is, to throw twenty five touchdown passes and no interceptions through seven or eight games. I mean, just the luck of the draw. You know, some guy, you know, a perfect pass bounces off a guy's hands and into the arms of somebody else. Uh, you know, a guy, you get under pressure and you make a bad throw. Uh, it just, it, what are the, the odds are just physically against what he's done, but he is, the thing about, he's so athletic, he can escape the pressure. And when he escapes the pressure, he throws darts. And so it, it, I've never seen anybody, somebody compared him to Drew Brees in terms of his arm talent. And, and that's probably a good analogy, but Drew Brees certainly didn't have this kind of speed and escapability. So no, 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 he has not played in a fourth quarter yet. They have scored on Oh, oh, hint, hint to LSU. If you win the toss, take the ball. Yeah. Okay? So Alabama they doesn't scored yeah. on eight consecutive opening possessions. But, I t- no, and, and a touchdown. Okay. Right. So I'm just, uh, it, it's just, it's just ridiculous how good at this guy's, this is the and I don't have any problem. I don't have to qualify this at all. This is the best group of receivers in terms of talent and depth that Alabama has ever had in the history of the school. Yeah, and it, it's probably not even close. When you watch, you know Jerry Judy and some of these these other guys, they're just they hit because Tua throws the ball so well. They are going full bore. When they catch the ball, they don't have to slow down. And and guys like Jerry Judy looks like they've been shot out of a cannon when right. they catch the ball. Right. I, my, my question is that Tua has not there, – there's been no Heisman moment. I mean, and if you look at the guy – I think, you know, Kyler Murray for Oklahoma, who was right – was, you know, if you took Tua out of it, Murray has 25 touchdowns and only three <coughs> interceptions uh, and is, you know, a little, a little jitterbug jukebox player. Uh, but uh, I, you know, if 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 Alabama loses to to LSU, then I think that's probably the only chance where Kyler Murray has a chance to to you know overtake him. But it's a uh, it, right now. There's really not much of a discussion. So, although he just had one. Well, Chris, <laughs> uh, guys, let's just put it this way: if, if Tua lights up the LSU defense on national TV prime yeah. time uh, uh, Saturday night, November third. I think he locks the sucker up. Yeah, like uh, like Derrick Henry did a couple a few years ago when he when he uh, when he outshined uh, Fournette in that in that matchup, right? Uh, right on same probably the same time slot, right? Is that the prime time Saturday night yep. special? All right. Anything else? Yeah. Or are we out of here? Who, who's got who comment follow up? Um, just one thing, I'm, I'm worried about Miami on Friday night against Boston College. And I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I don't trust Miami. I don't trust Boston College, so... Uh, Who do you trust? Dangerous team. Who do you trust? That sounds like a, that's an old show, wasn't that Johnny Carson? Which yeah, show? that was his show. Uh, I, I think you're right You're right to say that, Blau. Those teams are not trustworthy. Um yeah, I mean, the other part, I mean, the Big Ten, the, the bad news is the Big Ten is down to one college football, you know, playoff legit contender. The good news is that there's there's going to be a lot of real competitive games, and we got Purdue at Michigan State. 
Iowa at Penn State and, and Wisconsin at Northwestern this this week. And if you like Big Ten football, there's a lot to watch. But, you know, you don't have that exceptional team at the top. Yeah. All right. Are we done? Anybody else? Done. I think we're done. We're out again. All right. Next, we, we did. next week we get the ranking for the first time. That'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. Is that next, mm-hmm. tu- is that next Tuesday? Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday night. Oh, very exciting. All right. The, qu- the question is, where is LSU going to be? <laughs> with, with the people, with the schedule they played. Well, and, and the good thing, you know, and, and they will have not played uh, this weekend, so they'll get a, uh, yep. you know, they'll, they'll, they're kind of fuming off, uh, they're drafting off their uh, uh, past performance, which is pretty good. I got them, I got them number two right now in my, in my ranking. Uh, I think, you know, the schedule they played, uh, what they've done is – Equal or better to anything, any, any what anyone's done out there, other than losing. <laughs> but, but you know, but uh, still, all right. Let's and we'll be back next week to to look at the, and exa- analyze the college football rankings. Until then, adios. I can fit any lot. I even got a hole behind.